Now let's turn our Bibles to Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 1, as we start talking about a basis of prayer. We are discussing that on Wednesday night, and if you were here Wednesday night, I told you the number one thing that is required. It is not even the strength of faith, not the faith that the one with the issue of blood had, which is the strongest faith recorded in the Bible, which is known as mega faith. That means mega, mega, bigger than what anybody else had. And so she had a mega faith. But you know, when we talk about prayer, the size of faith is never mentioned how it gets answered or where, whether it gets answered or not. It's based on your confidence of God hearing you. Amen. And we looked at scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. You think, well, I, I need more faith. Well, if you shook heaven the first time you prayed when you got saved, you might not need much faith, but you need to know how to hang on. And so we discovered that the number one thing that is required of anybody that is going to have faith is that you have to believe that you're heard. Did God hear you? That's where your faith becomes alive or becomes divided or shaken. All right, Luke, the 11th chapter, and it says this, and it came to pass that when he was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins for which also we, we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then Jesus goes into talking about the parable of the friend that has a need and calls upon another friend. Will he not rise? Of course he will. When we start looking at prayer, one thing we have to understand is it is a learned activity. Jesus said, teach us to pray. If it was not learnable, which tells me that nobody ever reaches the end of learning how to pray. Nobody. Well, I'm happy with my prayer life. Is it changing anybody but you? Then if it is, the kingdom hasn't come except in your world. See, we are to be world changers. We are to be world transformers. We're not just to be world inhabitants, or we're not just supposed to be places where wealth is deposited. We are to be the extended hand of God. So prayer can be learned, so it can be increased, and we can become more effective than we were the first time we learned it. We can have instruction and we can have information so that we can learn not only from Scripture, but by mentors, by mentors. In other words, people that will pray with us. The word prayer is a real simple word. It means to ask, to inquire. It means to intercede or petition on the behalf of another. It also means praise. Praise is a form of prayer. It means to give thanks. 
It means to confess sins as well as to confess the result of having been forgiven them. You find that in Daniel in the ninth chapter where Daniel said, when I was praying and making my confessions before the Lord. It means holy meditation. When you meditate the scripture, you are in actuality praying. It means to wait on the Lord, to petition, to petition or to declare. Prayer of the believers is rooted in knowing God's will, 1 John 5, 13 through 15. The Bible says specifically, if we ask anything according to his will. Now, I know that it, people say, but God gives you the desires of his heart. You're right. That's the desire of your heart is to do the will of God. That is the desire of every righteous man's life. Amen. But I want this and I want that. Well, I know that you want it, but is it necessary for you to have it? Amen. I, I got this thing. Let's, let's travel lean and let's travel productive. And then in James, it also tells us that a believer's faith or successful prayer life not only has to have the will of God at its center focus, at its center focus, but it means that faith and patience are required to keep your focus on his will. James 1, 2 through 8. And that when tribulation and persecutions come, that we are patient so that we can be entire and lacking nothing. So prayer is something that God has incorporated, not man. Answered prayer was God's idea, not man's idea. Amen. And the results of an effective prayer life must be able to be evident in one's life or why would the disciples have said, we want to learn how to pray. We see what it's doing in your life. Jesus' life was an unveiling of a deep-rooted personal prayer life that centered around God's will. John, the fifth chapter, said, I did not come to do my will, but the will of him that sent me, John 8.35, I think it is. And then John, the fifth chapter, says, I do nothing or say anything except I hear or see my Father do it. Listen, prayer brings you to the place that you can hear from God, that you can see the purposes and the footsteps of God, really where your steps in itself can become ordered of God. Well, why do we miss God? I would have to say that many times we miss God because we have just never seen the path nor heard the direction that he has for us so we start out on our own, and wherever we end up, we ask God to bail us out of. Could I get an amen? Listen, we need to be led of God that the world could see that we are the sons and daughters of God. We are not people of constantly missing God, but that we are right in the point of God's activity at the right moment, at the right place. Amen. There is no reason for us to miss God except a lackadaisical attitude towards prayer. Amen. You don't have to pray God to bless you where you are if you're simply walking in his will. 
It's getting out of the will that causes the problem. Amen? All right, so we understand that disciples must have seen the impact of prayer on a carpenter's life. They saw and they said, we want to be like you. Remember they asked Jesus one time, what must we do that we can do the works that God's doing through you? Well, they wanted to be like Jesus. And if you really want to be like Jesus, well, I want to be a man of the word. I understand that. You want to be a man of the word. But sometimes the word becomes so legalistic without the spirit of the Lord that you become contaminated with because of the intimacy through prayer that your tongue becomes like an unbendable law. Because the spirit of him that breathed the word, the spirit of it is lost in your knowledge. I've heard people say this. Why don't they just believe God? Well, you got so much faith. Why aren't you over there believing with them? People used to say this to me. Well, you know, they ought to just get a job. They ought to just, maybe they better be good stewards. I said, hey, I'll tell you, boy, you're a great man of faith. Yes, sir, I am, buddy. God meets all my needs. I said, good, next week, when you get your Honda check, give it to them. Let's see how long you last. Yeah, that don't happen. You ain't going to do it, and you know you aren't going to do it. So we ought to just quit criticizing people and start praying for people. You want to do something productive for somebody's life, sow a seed in it that they can be transformed to the plateau that you are of your needs being met. Anybody can criticize somebody. It really takes a man of compassion touched by God to pray for somebody as if they were in that same situation. But it doesn't take much just to spout out legalistic, charismatic, Christianized statements that happen, not even born from the heart of God, just born from weird people. Like, you know, things when TV first come out. Oh, you're watching television. No, you should have been wise enough by time on television so you could have owned those satellites and Hugh Hefner wouldn't have had a job. But we're too busy criticizing and throwing out Christian cliches. Amen. Let's stop that. We're dealing with real people here. And if they are where you are, then you ought to comfort and instruct them with the same thing that you receive. And I'm sure that God didn't just say to you in a blunt way, oh, stop swallowing in your swine. Get out! I'm tired of hearing you. That's your interpretation. I don't think God spoke to you like that. But we want to speak to people like that because we have knowledge. We are the more educated. We are the elite. We have been the enlightened. No, you have become hardened heart and callous and have lost your love for other people. That's who we really have become. Now, when prayer is the center of your life, then the intimacy of who you are relating to, fellowshipping to, praying to, making petitions about others and about things of your life, giving birth to the kingdom of God 
into an area of your city, area of your family, area of your friends, area of your workplace. When you do that, when you are around God, God gets around you. You can't be around God and not act like him. Now, you can use the law without the spirit, and people will think you're a Christian, but you can't use the law with the spirit of God and not have been with God. See, love is not a legalistic reaction. It is a response from the inner recreated spirit. That's why it always believes the best. That's why it never hears evil. That's why it's always long-suffering. Why? Because it's not just of the realm of the soul. It is a deep-felt movement of God himself in your spirit. You can't say evil when you have been influenced by God. We can only speak evil when we have become dull to God. See, the Bible says no man can tame the tongue, but if you get in the presence of God, he'll lay hold of it. And it won't be man, it'll be God. Come on, somebody, shout hallelujah. And then realize that Jesus addresses something. Now, this is not a New Testament prayer. Two facts is that, number one, this is an Old Testament prayer because Israel was known that God was the father of Israel. Number two, the first four books of the Bible are under the Old Testament, not under the New. So this is an Old Testament prayer. And Jesus starts it out to say this, our Father. In other words, Jesus makes prayer relational. Relational. And if we don't build a relationship with God, we are not going to have successful prayer lives. Amen. Now, I know that you write in your journal, ask God for a new Mercedes, ask God for a new uh, Maserati, I ask God for this, and I, I ask God for my neighbor's house, and praise God, hallelujah, I ask God for three facelifts for my wife, and, and all that. I, I understand all those things are things to be desired, but is that what the Father wants? What do you think Lazarus, that poor man being licked by those dogs, was praying. God, move me into this man's house. Or do you think he was maybe praying, God, use my wretched life for your glory? Which one do you think he was praying? I think he was praying, God, use my wretched life. Well, well, God didn't want him poor. Lazarus never considered that God made him poor. You think that. Never recorded that Lazarus said that, so let's not put words in the dead man's mouth. I don't know how he got there, but I wouldn't presume that he'd done something wrong, that he lived a, a, what we call a cursed life. I wouldn't do that. Why wouldn't we do that? Why, why would we presume to know what another man was doing in his underwear. We don't know what he was thinking or saying. But we do know that when he died, angels showed up. 
And he didn't die alone. And God was there waiting for him. So we understand that prayer is relational. Somebody say relational. It is relational. If you build a relationship with God, then you have confidence not only that he is God, but that he is an answer to your prayers. You can't have confidence in people that you know, that you don't know, I'm sorry. You have confidence in people that you know. You can't trust people you don't know. The Bible even said, he that is spiritual proves all things. In other words, only people that are not spiritual would dare to trust someone they don't know. Now, we do that on TV, Internet. We do it everywhere. The only people we discredit are the people that we do know. See, I had somebody tell me one time, oh, you ought to get Kenneth Copeland's tapes. I said, why? I said, I don't know the guy. I said, but what I do know is me. And I know what I have found I believe. I don't know where he got what he believed, except I heard him one time say, I was going to preach and Brother Hagin uh, was there, and, and I, I got discouraged because I was preaching his book. And no throw off on Brother Copeland, but I didn't know that till he told me that on the tape. Then I realized, like, why am I listening to him? I could just buy books and get through them faster. Listen, you have to know what you believe, not what somebody else tells you they believe. And if you ever really want to know God to do exploits in your life, then you're going to have to invest in him beyond just the written word. You're going to have to make it live and put your faith with it by a prayer life. Get to know him. When you start breaking into those secret places, you'll begin to see him in ways that men never see him. See, I don't know who God is to you. I know in some aspect, well, he's your savior, and you know, some of you I know he's your healer and, and things of that nature. But besides that, besides your experiences, I don't know who God is to you. Now, I preach to you who God is to me, and I, good or bad. And so that's what our proclamations are. But I am confident there was a, a guy that was just doing me funky. He's not here, and he doesn't attend this church, but he was just doing me funky. Well, some of the guys that uh, I pray with and stuff heard about it. They got irate. How dare that guy do that, talk to you like that, and da 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 and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not concerned about what he's doing. I'm concerned about your attitude towards him. What is your problem? I said, it doesn't matter what he does. I know in whom I have believed. And God will keep me until the day of the Lord. And he is faithful to keep me. I will not fear what men shall do unto me, for the Lord is my helper. And so they're giving me all of their response of what I should do and what I shouldn't do. I said, listen, guys, if it's not founded in faith and love, you'll never win. I said, I'm not concerned about what he does. I'm concerned about what may happen to him if he continues that way. Amen. Oh, well, you know. No, no. Everybody has their cave 
where their enemies are at their mercy. But we need to be careful that we don't touch that which has been born of God. Everybody understand me? David could have slew Saul. Thank you. There his name is. Saul. But he didn't because he knew his God. Everybody else said, kill him, kill him. Now's your chance. But David knew the heart of God. David makes a statement that lots of people re repeat. Don't touch God's anointed. Where did David get such an infusion to stop such anger and rage? Except by prayer. Amen. By prayer. Hallelujah. So relationships. Jesus told us in John 9, 31, and I'm not opposed to sinners praying. They, I was a sinner and I prayed. I used to ask God to take me to heaven. Then I realized everybody went to heaven and got judged. So then I thought I'd trick God. God, take me to heaven and keep me there. Well, I thought that would work. And then Phyllis came home with a great revelation. Hey, lady at church at work told me today that God, now we know that God heareth not sinners, but every man that does worshiping him and does his will, him he heareth. I said, well, thanks a lot. You just destroyed my prayer life because that's the only thing I pray. God, take me to heaven and keep me there. Amen. Good night. I thought that covered all my sins, my transgressions, Hallelujah, where it didn't cover any of them because he didn't hear sinners. Oh, you think God didn't hear you? I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You can come up with your own interpretation. Yes, God hears everybody. It doesn't matter what you pray, who you are, or what's going on in your life. God hears you. But the Bible says that God's eyes are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. In other words, relationship with God is monumental in successful prayer. Amen. Now go to John, the 16th chapter, and verse 23 to 28. Remember, prayer is not your idea. It's God's idea. And prayer is really not begging God or trying to twist God's arm. I mean, I've actually had people say, well, you know, you charismatics think if you say something that you're just going to make God do it. <laughs> I said, make God, I can't even make the devil stay away from me, let alone make God do anything. They say, well, you think if you give money that God, you're making God make you rich. I said, no, 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 no. That's not, that's the first thing from our minds. What we do know that is when we see, we become empowered to do. Now, are there people that get that out of balance? Yes, but I can't speak for them because I'm not their God and I'm not their judge. So I have nothing in that doesn't matter if they have a hundred million or whatever. It doesn't matter what they do with it. They're not mine. They belong to God. And they're his servant, and he'll deal with them. And if they're his sons, he'll chastise them. But if he doesn't, it doesn't matter what I do, because what I'll do is meddle in God's business and get in trouble. Now it says this, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Barely, barely, I say to you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Next verse. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. And these things have I spoken to you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak 
unto you in Proverbs, but I show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself does what? Loveth you. Relational. That because you have loved me, in other words, Jesus' representative of the brethren, and that you love me and hath believed that I came out from God. Now, prayer is a covenant agreement. It is a proclamation that Jesus makes in his Father's stead that if you ask anything in my name, Jesus is convinced of the resurrection, that he will obtain the glory that he had with the Father before he came. He believes he is going to be raised from the dead and honor as a part of the Trinity will be restored and bestowed upon him once again. The glory that he laid down will be restored. Now, prayer right there tells us that prayer is not a struggle. But prayer can lose the focus that it starts with and people become double-minded. You have to keep your focus on what you pray. Could again, amen. amen. To have real change, God will not fail you, but you can fail yourself. You can fail yourself. So if you won't fail yourself, then you'll see the goodness of God. Prayer. Relational prayer. Focused prayer. His will, not ours. Prayer to help others to be in the kingdom and not just build our own. Amen? Rex Snyder. You hear Rex? Go get him, David. Is his wife with him? All right, go get him, David. Drag him over here. I was a, a guy just talked to me during communion. I didn't have a plan to do a testimony, so uh, he just sat down and uh, he said something very strange to me. I mean, they are in the midst of a humongous storm that threatens one of the very the most valuable thing out of their relationship and in their life. It is threatening the life of their son. And so I talked to Rex and I said, Rex, how you doing? He said, you know, somebody the other day came up to me and asked that. In fact, Brother Kylan did, came up to me and said, Rex, what can I do for you? Rex didn't mention money, which anybody that's been in the hospital a week or two weeks know, it'll suck money out of you faster than your in-laws. Come up here, Rex and Crystal. Could I have a microphone, fellas? Thank you, darling. Run it up here. Rex, you talked to me during communion today, 
And really, I was taken back. I thought, are you kidding me? Kylan had come up to him and said, Rex, what can I do for you? Rex, what was your response? Well, basically, I told uh, Pastor Colin what he could do is pray for me to be the man, the husband, and the father that I needed to be in this time of my life. So he never prayed for goods, never prayed for anything. He said, God, make me who I need to be right now. Now, their son had a brain injury and had been in a coma for how long? It's a little over two months. A little over two months. Now, nobody's given up hope because we see signs and we believe God. But in the midst of two months, what in the world would you want to pray, God, make me the husband and the father, the man of God that I need to be? Don't you think there are more pressing issues? Not really. And Rex, you and Crystal have been praying one thing for your son. What is it? Well, basically what, we, what we've been praying is for God to create a clean heart and a, renew a right spirit within that boy and use it for his glory for when he comes out of that coma. Not just bring him out of the coma. God, don't bring him out like he was in these regions of what we think is hopeless. I'm praying, God, that you touch him on the inside of his being, that he becomes a new man, that he comes out with a contrite, broken spirit, and that God, he remembers the God of his youth. God, that's how we want our son to come out. In fact, I remember Crystal told me one time that, you know what? We want him conscious long enough to make a proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord of his life. See, it's not just God that we want him out. It's that God, we don't want him without Christ in his life. Now, we love him, but God, without Christ in his life, what would his end be? And I thought about how many ways I have prayed and none of them have been in line with their wishes. Of course, I want the big bang. Whoop! Jump up one morning, they go to take his blood, he rips out all the IVs, does a backflip off of the bed, flies up, the gown comes off, he lands in a pair of underwear, praise God, throws on his jean and runs out the door to the uh, cafeteria. Now, that's what I'd like to happen. But these people are thinking dimensions ahead of me. Dimensions ahead of me. And I'm not even in the fire. I'm just observing the smoke. So I got to thinking today, you know, God, I'm going to talk on prayer. But I guess we could all say, where does that type of faith and desire come from? Relational prayer. 
relational prayer. Not once have I heard out of their mouth why, when, where, why us, how us, why him. Come on, God, what? What's going on? We're, we're good people. We're not one time. Not one time. And I don't say that to boast them, but what I say that is to encourage us as people to look beyond the momentary things that we are just tripping all over and see that there is eternal life and there is a work of God that can take place even in the midst of hopelessness if people will believe God. I heard the story where they were in the hospital. They were feeling like they were the only ones. You guys went out and walked past the waiting room and there were families laying on the floor, sleeping on the floor. That one family, you talked about that, that your son had just come out, but they said, thank God. We're believing that our son will live long enough to be able to go into surgery that he could come out because right now he has no hope. That kind of disrupted your self-centeredness. And so I don't know the outcome of that young man. Oh, the young lady, her, her name is Jalen. 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 And uh, so how is she doing? I just know she's uh, in Dayton. She's still in Dayton. Dependent. So, but out of all that, they ran into somebody worse off than them. And so I know, did you guys pray with them? Talk to, you got to pray with them and talk to them and encourage them. Kind of shrank what they thought they were facing because other people are facing the very same thing. And wouldn't we like people to pray for us? if we ran into people going through the same thing. Let's be bigger minded than our moment and let's use prayer to bring in the kingdom of God into the families and the lives of other believers. Amen? <clears throat> let's stand to our feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the heart, God, of prayer enter into our lives. Let us, God, begin to see that, Father, our relationship with the Word, how we speak it, how we move in faith, and, God, what we really are to focus on, God would come out of these times of intimate prayer with you. That, God, you would help us see the great overall need instead of just the momentary Band-Aid fix. Help us, God, be mindful of others and not just become clouded about our own problems. God, help us pray one for another. Help us pray that your kingdom come. Help us be confident that, God, you have given us a covenant in the name of Jesus Christ. God, help us to be kingdom-minded. Help us to pray for others. God, bring us into the secret places that you can share with us that which you have in store for people, for us, and for our lives. God, help us to be real people of prayer. And God, we ask it 
in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Now, Wednesday night, we are going to continue our prayer sessions and our learning of prayer because we can learn prayer. Prayer is not a one-time instruction. It is a life ongoing journey by the word, by scripture, by helps, and by mentors that will take us and walk with us. I encourage you to just begin to just spend time in prayer. One of the facets of praise, meditation, thanksgiving, whatever it might be, just let the presence of God begin to draw you into him. And let the intimacy of the Holy Ghost be born in you. And you will be possessed by the nature and the character of God that we may see others as he sees it. We may hear others and that we may speak in the place of God.